Hey, KU fans, welcome back to the KU Sports Hour here at KUSports.com with Zach Attack Boyer. Has anybody ever called you that? Yeah, when I was in like sixth grade, maybe. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> yep. I'm a real mature <laughs> SOB over here. Uh, Zach Attack. Yeah, of course they have. What other nicknames do you have in your life? Let's. I let's... used to get, uh, you know, I used to get Zachariah a lot because it was like when Mariah Carey was like, you know, a thing <laughs> in the early 90s. And so everybody was just decided that was always a great thing. Uh, you know, you get Zebo because everybody likes to shorten your names, right? So right. nothing, uh, nothing exceptional though, like Zach Attack, apparently. There so you go. Yeah, we're, we're we had a gold star for that one. We had a former KU Sports and LJ World employee named Shane Jackson, as you might have heard of him, and he was our high school guy. And on these podcasts, he was known as Shane Action Jackson, <laughs> and he said literally no one ever called him that but me. And uh, <laughs> but then people were tweeting at him and tweeting at me, calling him that. So. Um, so we'll see, man. I don't know if you'll have the same fate there. Uh, hopefully for your sake, you don't, but if people start <laughs> yelling at you on the street, Zach attack, Zach attack, then now you know who to blame. There's plenty of time and opportunity to do that. Right. I've been that's called right. worse. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, well, a couple of things, uh, there's still a euphoric high around the city of Lawrence and the university of Kansas over the national title. Um, it will be there for weeks to come and decades to come as well, probably, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's also movement and, and in some ways people have moved on and are already looking ahead to next season and trying to run it back and all that that means. And we have no idea what that means, what that's going to look like. It's, it's kind of the way things go in college athletics these days. You just can't sit back and say, well, these juniors and sophomores and freshmen will be back. Uh, so now what do we do? You know, Mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't quite work as seamlessly as that. So self and his staff are trying to kind of figure all this out now as a bunch of players are trying to figure out their own plans and decisions and things like that. So um, we're going to kick that around for a little bit because we have to do basketball on this podcast since we're still in that euphoric glow that we talked about, but there's football talk too. And it's, it's very similar Um, guys deciding to move on season of movement. Right. That's right. We will call this comings and goings. (laughs) On the KU Sports Hour. So anyway, let's start with the hoops. Um, we already know at the time of this recording, and I, you know, we let's see, we hit record about one thirty-seven on Friday. Yeah, and um, so and, we're doomed basically in a minute now, right? We're gonna yeah, hear something for sure, for sure. But I, I'll be honest, I thought you know we we got the early announcement that David McCormick was declaring for the NBA. Mm-hmm. No surprise. I thought we'd just kind of have one a day throughout the week, and uh, you know, we we obviously know Ochai's gone, and and headed toward maybe potential lottery territory. Um, but there's no reason to think that Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson won't be testing as well. And uh, so I've been a little bit surprised that this is, this has been kind of quiet throughout the week. I, I thought they would do one a day and each guy would kind of get his moment. And, uh, and then they move on because the deadline to announce is, or excuse me, to declare is Sunday. Yeah. So yeah. You, you you know they're gonna do it. You know they have to do it, and so I don't I don't quite know what the delay is, but I can tell you this: the delay is not that they're just so excited to come back for another year. They may end up doing that, but it's not it's not like oh I don't know if I even want to test. Of course they want to test. Sure, they have to test. It is the only move you have when you're a big time player at a big time program, and even. Small time players at small time programs will try to test. You know, it is just taking advantage of the rules. So 
now that I've rambled for 45 minutes, um, I'll let you speak here. And, and I want to know, you know, just kind of after covering this team, what, what, what is your first and gut feeling on, on, especially on Jalen Wilson and, and Christian Brown, because again, Ochai gone, Dave, you can throw him in there too. If you want, I've, I've made my opinions on him known, but, uh, but maybe, yeah, maybe those three, three, your, your gut feeling where you feel like this thing is headed and, uh, what's going on? Why are we waiting so long to announce these things? Yeah, Matt, I think the biggest thing for me, and even looking at the time frame, right? I mean, Ochai Abaji's birthday was Wednesday. I thought for sure that was setting him up, right? For just a, totally. hey, here's my birthday. Here's my announcement kind of a thing. And I was prepared for that to happen all day long and it didn't happen. So uh, if you're trying to strike when the iron's hot, it seems like that would be the situation to do so, right? But I think if you look at their situations, if you look at the way that the draft process is now construed, it's not what we remember from, you know, five, 10 years ago where you declare a second time and you're gone, right? right. Jalen Wilson looked last year, got the feedback, tried to incorporate that feedback and can now get more feedback on what he needs to do for his game. And, and I think for him, you know, he talked so much during the tournament and some of the little quiet sessions about, um, what it meant to him to have that feedback because he was told by scouts, you need to shoot more, you need to shoot better, and you need to improve your free throw shooting. And he said the free throw shooting in particular stuck with him because that's something that he had no problem working out on his own. He would shoot a hundred shots a day, a hundred free throws a day. Um, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't even shoot, maybe it was make a hundred free throws a day. And he knew that that was going to pay off going into this season. It, it, it kind of did. Right. But Sure. There's tangible feedback that these guys can get now from NBA scouts and NBA advisors and, and general managers and all the other front office people who are involved that can then turn around and they can use going forward. So um, when you mentioned it's in everybody's best interest to declare, it really is. And, and I think for, for Jalen Wilson to get more feedback on what it's going to take for him to succeed at the next level, it's going to be beneficial for him. For Christian Brown to do the exact same thing, right? I mean, same, same boat, you know, do you, do you go ahead and test because you know that it's going to give the feedback that you need from other outside voices who are qualified outside voices to be helping you and giving you that guidance. So um, to me, it just seems natural that these guys would do this. They do have the deadline coming. Um, and maybe that's part of it because it's such a foregone conclusion in a way it's not going to be, you know, maybe to them, it's not that big of a deal, but anybody who's in that position, where they have their eyes on an NBA career, which, I mean, truthfully is everybody who plays college sports, but realistically, sure. anybody who has an NBA ambition, um, this is going to be the thing now where they can now use these new rules to continue to test, uh, find out where their stock is and find out what they can do. So fully expect those two guys to do that, uh, depending on, as you know, depending on what they hear was going to determine whether or not they stay in the draft and can potentially be selected come June 23rd. Um, but for now, that's that's what you have to imagine they're working toward. And we'll find out uh, in the not too distant future with that draft combine coming up in a little under a month and then all the individual workouts where they stand and where their professional futures might be at this point. No doubt. It's especially big for Brown because he didn't do it last year. You know, I mean, Correct. This, is, this is a guy who will be going through this for the first time. Now, he knows plenty of dudes who have gone through it, including some of his own teammates at KU. And, and so he can say, or he could talk to them about, you know, this is what happened. This is how it went. This is what I got out of it, but it's so individualized. It, it is. It's so specific to each guy. And, and, and again, like you said, I mean, it, you, you can think you're ready, 
and you can go up there thinking you're going to go and then you can get that feedback and it can hit you in the face like a ton of bricks and you can yeah. go oh wow um man i now i have a decision to make right and, and mm -hmm. so after the after the postseason make what um mccormick this was before he announced um and he and he was he was talking about his his decision and and kind of what he was going to weigh and what was going into it and what he was going to think about and all that and and he was asked uh, if he was leaning either way in that moment. Um, and, and he said, no, you know, I, I, I can't really lean either way until I get the feedback. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Dave's a smart guy. He's a, he's a mature dude. He's, he's experienced. Uh, he's been in college a bunch of years already. Like that was the perfect answer because yeah. everyone wants to know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Including coaches. They want to know it helps yeah. roster construction. It makes it yeah. hard. But no one knows until they get that feedback. And, and again, you can have full intentions of doing one thing and then you get this feedback, good or bad. And the next thing you know, it changes entirely the way you're looking at this thing or at least the way you should be looking at it. So yeah. um, th that's why you have to do it. But, but on mm -hmm. top of that, you know, because they did change the rules to where you can do it over and over and over. I, I think Jalen Wilson's case is fascinating. I mean, um, my, my guess is that he won't get guaranteed type feedback. My guess is that his best move will be to come back to Kansas. We'll find out he may go kill it. Um, who knows? But the thing that's fascinating about it is, is he gets to then take what he hears this year and compare it to what he heard last year. Are you hearing the same things? Are you hearing different things? Did they say, Hey, we saw you address this, this, and this, but now we see this, this, and this. Or do they just say, hey, man, we told you last year, got to be a better shooter. That's still where you're at. You got to yeah. be a better shooter. And, and so, I, I, you know, it'd be really, really cool to do one of those day in the life documentary hard knocks type of things and just follow Jalen around and, and be a part of that experience and just kind of learn and listen to what he's hearing and being told and how he's weighing that against what he already knew. Because yeah. Um, you know, that, that's, that's really what it's all about. It's not about what, what your coach thinks. It's not about what your family thinks. It's not about, even about what you think. It's about what the people who are eventually going to, or not going to pay you big money to play basketball for a living. It's about what they think. So, yep. um, you know, and Dave McCormick was hurt last year in the off season. He had surgery. If he didn't, he would have tested and he'd be in that same boat that, mm -hmm. that Jalen Wilson's in and, and going through it for a second time. So, um, it, you know, it, it's, it's cool because at a place like Kansas with a coach like Bill Self, these guys get full support on this deal. Mm -hmm. There is no, there is and, no. And, and quality instruction, if we're being honest, right? They're not being led astray as you might be if you're coming out of some mid-major program with the third coach in seven years, right? You're, right? you're actually learning from people who have that infrastructure and that proven track record in place. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and, and Self's, pardon the pun, but he's never been selfish about it. It's, it's not, it's not his style to say, you know, well, you have to do this or you have to tell me this or you, you know, he, Hey, look, man, it's these guys' lives. It's these guys' decisions. He says, go do what you got to do to feel good about whatever decision you make and we'll support you 100%. So yeah. um, that's where these guys sit going into this thing. As you mentioned, the combines in a few weeks, that's where it gets really real because I, I still think, and I think he's basically said this, you know, Ochai was ready to go and he wanted to go last year. And 
he got up there and tested really well. He was athletic as hell at the combine. He mm-hmm. was, his measurables were terrific. Um, and then he played the pickup games or the scrimmages, I guess they are. And, and, and he disappeared. He had, he had uh, poor outings. He, he blended in, he didn't stand out in any way. And, and, you know, that ultimately probably was the, the deciding factor in mm-hmm. him making his decision to come back because they mm-hmm. did not see from him what they wanted. And, and that's a direct response. The way he played this season is a direct response yep. to yep. going up to Chicago and being uh, non-existent, being a guy that didn't stand out because he totally changed the way he approached the game, the way he attacked each game, each moment, each opportunity. And, and he stood out every night, um, mm-hmm. you know, from minute one. And, and so that, that kind of brings back the, the final piece of this, right? Like that's the decisions that, that particularly Jalen Wilson and, and Christian Brown have are, what do I hear? Do I like it? Do I not like it? How do I feel about it? What do I think? And if I don't love it, is it worth my time to go back and be Ochai Abaji? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty high standard there. Sure. Doesn't mean you're going to come back and be an All-American, but it gives you the opportunity to do so. And now these guys can see and know and feel and taste what it's like for a guy to come back and right in front of their own eyes, build their stock tremendously. I mean, Ochai is a no brainer first round pick. It seems like now again, even, even he could change, right? Like he could go to the combine and, and not show. And, and that, that could change the way teams are looking at him and feeling about him and all that. I don't think that'll happen. I think he's, I think he's taken that, that step to get across that line. and, And now he's just a different type of player, but that could happen. So, you know, that, that's the biggest part of this thing. It's not, should they do it? What's the benefit of testing? Uh, are they going to, et cetera, et cetera. That, none of that's really up in the air. The question is, based on the feedback that they get, is it enough to convince them now's the time? Or do they think, man, I should probably go try to do what Oach did. And yeah. That's a hard choice to me. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's where the, the decision really gets tough. Well, and, and I'd be remiss if we didn't also bring up kind of the outside factor, too, of, of the, the financial aspect of it, too, right? Yep, you know, yep. you don't want to be someone who's stuck going somewhere because you have to go somewhere. You and I have talked a little bit about this, about guys in the past who have not necessarily wanted to go, but the amount of money that's being thrown their way as a second pick, a third pick, a fourth pick has been so overwhelming that they have to make that decision, right? right. Or there's the guys on the opposite end of the spectrum who feel compelled to try to get a paycheck now to help themselves or their families or the people that they care about, who then end up being the 58th and 59th and 60th pick, or who will go undrafted. And I think that's where I think a little bit of things change this this cycle, not this cycle specifically, but going forward because of the NIL stuff, you know, the, the fact that guys can get paid now um, in college. And I think Oscar Shibway's decision is really interesting for a lot of, of reasons, him going back to Kentucky, especially because as uh, uh, an international player on a student visa, he has been ineligible for NIL deals, right? So that's a, a factor that he's now making that, that aren't, those opportunities are available to a lot of other players who are in his position. But if you look at guys, there's a lot more that goes into it, the financials, you know, can you play overseas? Do you want to play overseas now, given what's going on in Europe with Ukraine and everything? You look at the, the changing dynamics of some leagues might be closed off to some people. Um, 
it, it's not the same straightforward path right now and going forward for guys as it has been in recent years too. And all of that needs to be kind of properly vetted. And you just, in a lot of ways, you hope that the decisions are being made off of the right information for the right reasons and that they are actually correct because the last thing that a lot of these guys need, and I don't think anybody's really in danger of this this year, maybe Jalen Wilson of, of declaring based off of whatever feedback and then end up going the late second round and undrafted, not being guaranteed a roster spot and whatnot. So um, the financial aspect of it, I think is crucial. Those are decisions though, that are already known based upon people's livelihoods. It's the basketball now that's going to determine how well they can go, how high they can go, what they can earn in the professional careers now going forward. Yeah. I've never been a a real strong proponent of either side of this you know i've never said if you go you if, if you're ready or if you're maxing your earning potential you got to go i think if you want to come back you should come back but sure, i absolutely. also think if you just want to go it's your life it's like it's like blackjack mm-hmm. if you have 20 and you want to hit on it you can <laughs> nobody's going to stay at the table Good and luck. keep playing with you but you can that's your card that's your hand that's your bet out there so yeah you know i'm far be it from me to tell you what to do or what's right or what's not yeah. um but but I do think the NIL stuff makes it much more palatable to to theoretically come back. Yes. Yeah. yeah, because, um, you know, these guys are at the beginning stages of this whole thing, scratching the surface on NIL. You saw the report about Oscar, you know, the people saying he could make as much as two million dollars right. next year at Kentucky. It's a good headline. But like right. you're saying, is it really there? That's what right. he has to decide. That's what he has to to learn and figure out. And, and even if it's not though, even if it's a fraction of that, man, if you make a hundred thousand dollars, boy, that's pretty good money for more a than a lot of other people <laughs> who is playing at one of the greatest places to play. Mm-hmm. That's Kentucky. That's also Kansas living in the lap of luxury, the dorm here. No, you know, you, you can't ask for better than that. Um, yeah. Traveling to all these places, staying in these hotels, getting all this gear. I mean, even if you're not a million dollar type of NIL guy, but you can make, you know, a year's salary and then some for your average American human, right? Like that's, that's not the worst thing. And Mm -hmm. and, and it's a real benefit to what the old rules were, obviously. So huge, huge factor. Um, Ultimately, I don't know how much of a factor it is for these guys because what they want to do is play basketball and they want to do it at the highest level and they want to be in the NBA and, and that dream and, and the, the, the rush of chasing it can outweigh a lot of that, you know? So um, that's where, like you said, it comes back to, Hey, you hope they're getting good information at, at these guys at Kansas, good families, um, terrific coaching staff and support from KU. I don't think it's even a, a remote yeah. question about, you yeah. know, whether they're going to have the resources they need to make quality decisions. Yeah. Um, now they just have to get the feedback as we talked yep. about. So yep. um, it'll be interesting. It's always fun to cover. If they want to come back to school, they have to pull their name from the draft pool by June 1st. And uh, look, I think a couple of them might. I, I still think Christian Brown could. I, I definitely think Jalen Wilson could. I, I think Dave's gone. I think Ochai's gone. But yeah, um, agreed. But, but you know, there's still some some transfer portal stuff. Like Remy Martin was a was a hey, I'm coming to Kansas unless I go pro. And so then they still had to wait for that. So if KU picks mm-hmm. up a transfer in the portal, who maybe is also testing that 
that June first date could be relevant there too. So there, there's a lot, there's a lot there that that can absolutely still, you know, play into this whole thing. And and the whole thing being what KU's roster looks like next season. So it's far, far too early to kind of look at that, but we will do so as as the the off season progresses. What I do know is that probably June, excuse me, May thirty first is the day it's going to matter. Even if these guys decide four days after the combine, a lot of times you get these announcements, the last minute, the 11th hour. And so, um, you know, don't hold your breath just yet. Start that about six o'clock on May 31st, and then you won't run out of air. So (laughs) we are here for you. We're doing you a service to keep you alive and breathing. Um, Let's flip over to football, Zach, uh, for 10 or so minutes before we get out of here. Um, I think the, the the thing with football that's super interesting, they just finished the first spring practice under spring practices um, under Lance Leipold and sort of had exit meetings. And, and mm-hmm. you know, if, if we've learned anything about Leipold in his first year here, it's that he's a straight shooter. Uh, I would imagine in those types of individual meetings, he's told guys the blatant truth. This is how I see you fitting in here or don't. And uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that shortly thereafter, a few guys started throwing their name into the portal and looking for other opportunities. Doesn't mean it's a disaster. No. Doesn't mean doom and gloom. Doesn't mean, Oh, that momentum that KU football had is now gone. No, no, no. A couple of these guys you'd love to see stay, but most of them are, they weren't going to play anyway and good luck to them. And, and KU will be fine without them. I mean, yep. is that a fair way to sum it up? I think it is, Matt. And I think, you know, I think there's a couple factors at play here that make this a little bit more amplified than it would under a normal season. Um, Usually you're going to see this kind of attrition after a season, after a spring. You have to remember now first, like you just said, this is Lance Leipold's first spring practice, right? So he can have actual on-field instruction on the finer points of things because he came in at the very end of spring practice a year ago didn't have but a couple of months of just non-contact summer months to work with guys, then had to use fall camp in August to install his offense, his defense, his special teams, get his system in place. You're supposed to be doing that in spring. So he didn't have that. So what he's got now is a spring in the fall, then a season, <laughs> then postseason analysis, and then spring practice. So now he knows going forward who's going to contribute, who's not going to contribute, Who's going to start? Who's going to fill what role? And I think that's that's really what this is all about. So you probably would have seen a lot more movement at the end of the season if things had gone, if this was Leipold's fifth, sixth, seventh year. And as we know, coaches at Kansas don't get fifth, sixth, and seventh years. But what you've got now is 11 guys have transferred. I would say safely 10 of them had a very limited path to playing time come this coming season. And because the transfer portal deadline is May 1st, and that's, you don't have to be in the transfer portal, but you have to submit the letter to intend to enter the transfer portal by May 1st. So a guy can enter the transfer portal actually on June 23rd, but as long as he has the letter in, it's fine. And schools don't do that anyway, it's, but it's just a hypothetical. Sure. But so there's a deadline for these guys to make their decisions known. So between the spring game on April 9th, Lance Leipold spending two weeks telling guys what the roles are going to be in the fall and how they can try to either improve upon them or they're doomed, um, they have a specific deadline to want to get out. So 
Um, I think that being the situation, there's there's no doubt that some of these guys are leaving. You look at a guy, um, Corey Robinson, is an offensive lineman who was came out of high school, redshirted for a year, and decided to transfer. He just decided to transfer to Georgia Tech. By the way, he's from Georgia. Right. So these guys, in some ways, they're not going to play or they want to go home or they're not playing for the coaches who recruited them. So 11 is a big deal on a team, but 10 of those guys are not going to be impact players, and that's fine. The only guy you get kind of murky with is Lawrence Arnold, the wide receiver. He's six foot three. He was their tallest target remaining of the wide receiver group. Um, and he's obviously, you know, he's somebody they were counting on, right? So he's somebody who is, is, is you know, kind of potentially – He's a loss, but they don't really know. He's not really a known commodity either. So, you know, can you replace him at this time of the year? You, you probably can't, right? You got to go with what you have. But they're also active still in the transfer market. Well, that's it, right? Yeah, I mean, like, that, that you know, just because you're losing guys doesn't mean you can't go find guys too. Yeah, exactly, right? So you could lose 11 guys right now and 11 guys who arguably could be better or more impact contributors come in. Look at the cast of eight that they brought in in December to January. Right. Those guys were all basically starters at the Big Ten programs they were at, right? You can get good players. Um, and there are other players who were told by – Wisconsin and Ohio state and Florida and name it who were just told now that they're not going to compete Alabama, not going to compete for playing time in the fall, but they're still three, four, five-star recruits. Yep. They can go find a new home. So yeah, the numbers don't look great. The reasons understandable. Yeah, that's perfect. I think the receiver room is where it gets tricky for sure. It does. I mean, um, because what magic rector also uh, one of those 11 and, yep. and, and, you know, that, that's, that's, that's not losing, um, Stefan Robinson and, and, uh, uh, gosh, what's my guy's name from the year before, uh, he went to Florida state. You know, we'll say, uh, we'll say uh, Andrew Parchment. There you go. Parchment. I yeah. keep seeing AP Quattro in my, uh, in my head <laughs> from his Twitter handle and I just couldn't, couldn't place the A and the P. So yeah, you know, you're not losing Parchment and Robinson like that. And, and look, they survived that. Um, yeah wasn't ideal. Both of those guys were all big 12 type of talents and uh, they survived it. So, well, and those guys also went and frankly did almost nothing at their new right. programs. That's too, right. Right. That's so, right. Yeah. Buyer beware. Right. I mean, like yeah. you, the grass is not always greener as they say. Right. Um, but you know, again, coming back to that basketball thing, like this is a very individual decision and mm -hmm. it, it's, it's got to feel good to you. doesn't matter what coaches think on either side of it or family thinks or whatever. You, you got to be happy where you are. And, and um, a lot of guys want to play. I'll tell you what, man, this is for, for the Kansas football fans kind of freaking out about this. This is great news. This is, this is fabulous news because I think, during this last decade where it has really gone off the rails. And I've, I think I've written this a time or two, but never really like emphatically shouted it from a mountaintop. But, but I think far too many KU rosters during that decade of despair had chunks of dudes who were just happy to be on the team. Yeah. They liked the gear. They felt cool suiting up on the sideline. They, they had all the, the different bands and ties and sweatbands and all, you know, and, and the, on game day, look at our uniforms, look at our gear. This is awesome. Oh, hell no. I'm not going to play. I don't care. Look at me. I'm, you know, so you can't compete when you have too many of those guys. And, and the, yep. the numbers, as everyone knows, were already 
compromised to begin with. And then you've got some of your scholarship guys that, that are sort of of that mentality. Now your numbers are even lower than they really look like. So the fact that these guys are leaving because they want to play and the fact that this coaching staff is, is being straight about that and saying, you're not going to play here. We're going to fill our roster with guys who can play for us. That yep. is such good news for the, the continued rise of this program. And, you know, it's not the same as landing a five-star quarterback that's going to change your life, but it, it's, it's one of those Lance Leipold little things that matter. And well, I and think I think that's that, super important. I think that point, Matt, what you're getting at is, is something that Lance told us right when he started spring practice. We were talking a lot about roster imbalance, right? And mm-hmm. they brought in almost one transfer at every position but wide receiver mm-hmm. because they had too many wide receivers, there he thought. Yep. They just lost three scholarship wide receivers, right? So you've now got five scholarship wide receivers left, which is low, not great. They'll probably add one, I have to imagine, at some point now in the next couple of months. But what he his whole point was Les Miles, which he, he kind of threw him under the bus a little bit. Les Miles recruited guys just to have guys without regard to scheme or what they did. Sure. And they ended up with a ton of wide receivers and they ended up with no tight ends and no fullbacks and their numbers on offense were all out of whack. Sure. Now he lost three wide receivers. That's three more scholarships, probably two scholarships. Cause I have to imagine they're going to add at least one guy, but two scholarships they can now use on an offensive lineman on another quarterback because for a college program they don't have a lot of quarterbacks or they can use it on defense because we know that they're very hot to get a defensive end edge rusher type somebody else out there too so you've pocketed three scholarships from wide receivers you've pocketed 11 scholarships overall when this guy is so concerned about roster balance and trying to even things out and get the ideal splits for which position groups he wants I think he's looking at this like Okay, this that is works. actually a blessing in disguise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. And 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 look, wide receiver is a position too where a lot of coaches in a lot of classes will take tons of high school receivers because yes. they know, hey, look, that guy's never going to play a receiver for us. We're mm-hmm. going to flip him to safety. They're we're going to flip him to cornerback. We're yeah, yep. exactly right. And and we're going to build bulk him up a little. He'll be a tight end, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, your opportunity to to, to fill that position I think is easier because of that you're not going to go get a bunch of DBs and turn them to uh, receivers it probably doesn't go quite as um, smoothly that direction but 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 you definitely can find athletes I mean look look at just at Kansas I mean guys that have that have been quarterbacks that turned into receivers Kerry Meyer was one obviously a big one Um, and there's still been talk about the idea of of Jason Bean possibly playing that role there hasn't been talk about that much from Kotal Nicky and, and Lance Leipold. I don't think that's necessarily plan A for them, but hey, look, they have talked a lot about let's get our best players and athletes and fastest guys on the field. Yep. If you don't fill up that room with, with the talent you need, maybe you look at that a little harder, especially yep. if Jalen Daniels is the man and can handle that. So there, there are options. Um, I, I think this leaves KU with what? Um Trevor Wilson and Luke Grimm as their top two receivers right now? Probably, yep, yep. You could do worse than that. Yep. Trevor Wilson's an experienced dude who had some some moments last year. Um, and, and you know, he's, he's not the fastest. He's not the tallest. He's none of that. Neither one of those guys is. But they're both pretty good receivers, and they're both pretty darn yep. reliable. So yep. Um, yep. I think Wilson can absolutely take a step forward um, because he was really just trying to get himself – 
comfortable here last year. And, and, uh, and then Luke Grimm's a, I mean, he's a beast, man. Like he, he has, you know, he, he's not Cooper cup. We're not going to go there, but, <laughs> but he's got, you know, potential to be a very reliable target. Uh, he's already uh, beloved by, by Daniels and, and being for that matter. I mean, they, they look for that guy a lot. So, you know, are, are those the uh, Michael Crabtrees and, and, Des Bryant's that we're used to seeing in the big 12. Of course they're not, you know, um, but this is still Kansas. And as they're building this thing, you're not going to find those guys here. So what you need is, is guys who can give you production guys who can be reliable guys who can execute what you're trying to do and, uh, and leaders. And I think those two guys are, are both that too. I, I think we can't overlook and over underestimate their ability to, to elevate the rest of that room by saying, Hey, watch us. Here's how we're going to do it. Uh, Kwame Lasseter was that guy and he was a walk-on when he came. Right. And then yep. he became yep. this terrific leader and, and very productive type of player, but no one thought he was going to be a, uh, an absolute all big 12 type of guy. I mean, that, that well, it also that, took him six years to leave to that level too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you know, right, that's that's right. the steady development for him. No question about it. So, so yeah, the, 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 the hit that KU football is taking, not not any reason to panic i can guarantee you and i know you know this better than me lance leipold's not panicking at all correct and uh that's kind of the wild wild west world that we're living in you know you lose a guy you go get a guy yep it it, it happens it has to happen and 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 in some cases as you mentioned alluding to that blessing in disguise in some cases you're better off when that does happen so well and one thing too that that (laughs) has been alluded to and and suggested, you know, Sevian Morrison said it, Kai Thomas said it is, you know, they're going to use those running backs because they've all of a sudden got a lot of running backs. Yep, yep. They're going to use those running backs in motion. They're going to line them up in the slot. They're going to have them catch passes. They're going to play, I think, ideally what they want is to have them a little bit more in a hybrid role than just straight pounding between the tackles, right? That's not what these guys are there to do. So you may be losing – guys out on the edge out out in the periphery out wide you are not going to be hurting for talent because those new guys they brought in are capable of doing that and it seems like they're going to want to do that and they're going to ask them to do that a lot too so you're opening opportunities for other guys kai thomas is a playmaker you know watching him for uh, was it seven or eight games down the stretch last year at minnesota he is a good player and they got a good player because he just wanted to come play in front of his family and play close to home. They're going to use him in a lot of ways. So are you losing uh, an unproven wide receiver? Yes. Are you replacing him with a not really proven yet because he's still going to be a sophomore running back and, and jamming him into that role? It's going to be interesting. But I think they believe, and I, I can understand why, they think they have the talent to weather that. So it's going to be an interesting-looking offense for sure. But they've got players who can fill those roles they still probably do need others. Yeah, well said. And and look, I think the other thing about using those running backs in those types of roles that that's really important to remember at Kansas, they play closer to the line of scrimmage. They play closer to the quarterback. That's a shorter, easier throw. That's less pressure on the offensive line to hold up and pass protection yes. to get down the field. Those are positive things for the Kansas offense yep. on the yep. whole. So, so yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And, and, that's clearly the strength of this team right now, that running back room. And so, um, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm sure, I'm sure Andy Kovalnicki's fired up to find ways to tinker with this 
this roster and see what they can do and how they can use these guys and, and all of that stuff. So yeah, it's like um, 3d chess. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. That's a good way to put it for sure. So anyway, comings and goings all over the place. Uh, that's just the two main sports, man, but this, this is happening elsewhere too. Women's basketball's added a transfer. Um, some of the other sports are picking up the same sort of thing. Uh, transfer portal is everywhere. It, it just is. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it as best we can. And uh, we'll try to break down everything as, as much as we can as well. But we are, uh, this is like two in a month, right? Two, two in 10 days or something. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I think you can officially say the KU Sports Hour is back and, and uh, it's, it's backed by Zach Attack. Oh, here we yeah, go again. I did it. I did it. I knew you'd love it. <laughs> you didn't see it coming. I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's yeah. all the time we have for today. Thanks for checking it out. Keep an eye out for all those decisions and remember those two d- dates. May 1st to declare for the transfer portal and June 1st to come back to school if you're talking NBA stuff. So yes, um, none of that's very far away right now. We are in the swing of spring. Summer's right around the corner. Um, maybe it'll slow down. Maybe it won't. We'll find out. But thanks for checking out all our content. Hope you guys are enjoying it still. And uh, we'll talk to you again next time on another KU Sports Hour. For Zach Boyer, I'm Matt Tate. We'll talk to you guys real soon. Take care, everyone.